This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Time to take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7, the game. And welcome everybody to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana's number one sports station, 103.7, the game. And we appreciate you listening in. And it is the must-listen-to sports talk show in all of Acadiana on a Saturday morning. And it is Under the Dome with with yours truly. Yo, it's me. It's me. The world-famous CD. And we are always coming to you live from the game studios. Baby, we're looking good. Woo! And I appreciate you tuning in however you're doing, so be it. On the FM dial. The tower of power, too sweet to be sour, I'm funky like a monkey, sky's the limit and space is the place. Or on that free mobile app, smart speaker, or even on 1037thegame.com. And if we're talking about Acadiana's number one sports station, and we're talking about a Saturday morning show, well. Then I gotta be the best of all. That just cut and dried. I'm the best. Whether you like it or not, you're looking at, woo, the greatest, the best-looking man, the best-dressed man, long limousines, jet airplanes, custom-made clothes, and any woman in the world I want, just like that. But if you want to chat me up on anything in the world, trust we got a lot to talk about. We got baseball coming back. We got the NBA announcing their schedule Talk about that and a whole lot more. Marcel Brooks transferring from LSU. The Lafayette Consolidated Government saying you got to wear a mask, pal. That's kind of what the bottom line is. But when it comes right down to it, we got the NBA resuming its season. The Pels, Dustin Poirier going to be in action tonight in the UFC Vegas, the fourth fight night in Vegas at the Apex. It's going to be some really cool stuff going on over there. But, of course, I'm going to get right down to what's causing all this, as I like to do each and every Saturday morning. And I think this week it's going to be more of an opinion when it comes right down to it. The MLB is back, but more importantly, the Astros are going to be back in action before you know it. And I've got some thoughts about why the Astros are going to excel in this short season. Let's play ball, it's game day. Strikeouts, base hits, double plays. Take the field, hear the roar of the crowd. Welcome to the Saturday Sports Sermon. And today we talk about those Houston Astros. It's a shortened season. 
This is going to be weird. Only 60 games each, and every one of them is going to matter. It's not the 162-game slog like we've seen. But I have a lot of confidence of them taking over the AL once again. And there's three reasons why I have it listed as to why I think they will excel and be one of the best teams in the AL when it's all said and done. And it definitely doesn't have a whole lot to do with what everybody wants to talk about. And obviously, it's talking about the banging on a trash can that's been going on for quite some time. Well, one of the biggest reasons why has to do with that banging on a trash can, and it's the fact that the pressure is off. Think about what this season would have been if not for COVID-19 throwing a wrench into not just the world of baseball, but everything that goes on in the world of sports. You would have the most hostile environments in all of sports, probably. More hostile than a Philadelphia Eagles game. More hostile than probably... A typical Sunday afternoon inside, or Saturday afternoon inside of Tiger Stadium. A lot more hostile. And you'd be in complete hell to deal with, especially on the road. And this is the best case scenario. You don't have the, you don't have the fans out there agitating and antagonizing every single one of those players and really making this thing a whole lot. You don't have to deal with a lot of BS. From the fallout of the cheating scandal. Because everybody is still pissed off about what happened between the MLBPA and the owners. And they're not necessarily as laser focused on making sure the Strohs get a receipt. For those who don't get what I'm talking about when I say the word receipt. It's not the stuff that you get over at the grocery store. It's basically making sure the person responsible for a transgression gets a taste of a little bit of their own medicine, if you will. In the world of pro wrestling, if you're a little stiff. You're going to get one, and they consider that a receipt in the business. In other words, I don't believe we'll see countless beanballs being thrown out. That would have shattered this team's psyche for months, but they won't have to deal with it now. That's a big reason why I think this Astros team is going to excel in a 60-game season. The second reason is that the Astros have probably one of the best relief crew in the league. Roberto Roberto Osuna is a probably going to be the closer for about 80% of these Astros games. But you also got to think about the fact you've got guys like Brad Peacock, Ryan Presley, Joe Biagini out there in that kind of grouping where you can put these guys in relief pitchers. In the case of Joe Biagini, he can very well be a guy who fits that fourth or fifth man in that rotation because, again, you look at what's going on with the rotation this year. It seems like a four-man rotation is going to be ideal for a 60-game season. And you have Verlander, Grinky, Lance McCullers, and Jose Urquidy are going to be your kind of the four guys. That puts Joe Biagini and also a guy like Chris Davinsky. Got Those guys are all going to be in consideration and in conversation to be a true monster when it comes to bridge guys. I, re- I can remember all the time hearing former Cajun's head coach, RIP, Tony Robichaud. It's been almost one year. Cannot believe that. But you got to think about the fact that whenever you have a situation arise where you can pull something off like what we've seen in the past with these bridge guys, Joe Biagini, I wouldn't be surprised if he is 
every three days a guy that can go about three innings, two to three innings, and he'd be crucial because I don't see any team for at least the first two weeks of the season, at least the first quarter of the season, using a starting pitcher for more than five or six innings, especially Justin Verlander. In case you forgot, he's recovering from surgery. I wouldn't be surprised if he's back at about 100%, but I'd still hold off on him. Let him get used to the pace of the game. Let him get used to it after not being there for a while. And he met, had the fact that it's going to be what 90% of the league does. I think the Astros are well prepared with the fact that you have guys like a Brad Peacock, Ryan Presley, Joe Biagini, Brad Peacock, Joe Smith, Chris Davinsky. And I'm not even counting guys like Framber Valdez or even Cy Sneed. Those guys could very well be in that kind of kind of consideration as well as being consistent BP guys. Because if you have those bullpen guys, you have those bridge guys, you can set yourself up for a lot of success in this current construct. But the biggest reason why I think the Houston Astros have every chance to secure the bag and take this bad boy home in 2020 has to do with what their schedule is going to look like. It's 60 games, 40 games against divisional opponents, and more importantly, 40 games against the divisional, 20 against teams from the similar division. So let's, for the sake of comparison, let's look at the AOS real quick. You have the Oakland A's, a team that somehow, someway managed to get into the playoffs as a wild card. And kind of, but they were 97-65 and 65 last year. They are probably your closest competitor right here, right now. That are the Oakland A's. Then you got the Texas Rangers. They are absolute trash. You're 18 games back last year when the season was all said and done. The Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, Mike Trout, and that's about it for that franchise. Seattle, who knows what's going to happen with them. What Last year, they started off so well, and then they fell off the face of the damn planet. So right here, right now, it seems like the ALS is going to be secured once again by, you guess it, the Houston Astros. And then comes the NL West. The only, person, the only team you're going to really have to deal with is those damn Doyers. Of Los Angeles. They're the only team that you're going to have to outright deal with. Now, how this whole thing is is stacked out, I don't know. But presumably, you're going to have to play the Dodgers, Arizona, San Fran, Colorado, and San Diego. The pods. You're going to have to play three teams just from the West alone that were below 500 last year and don't feel like they're going to wind up going much higher. And then you play three more that were well below 500 in Texas, the Angels, and Seattle. So, presuming all that, that's eight, that's four, nine total teams you have to play over 60 games and presumably three game series. That's going to set you up, that's 27 games, just those alone. So, you have to play them multiple times more often than not. It's going to, so basically, you're playing four teams and you're going to play them 10 times. You got to play 10 times in the AL West, those four teams. And then the other 20, you got to play them presumably in five, four game series. I think you have every chance to set yourself up for a lot of greatness in the future. And that's because because of the fact you have everything set up for you. You have everything ready to go. You've got a great relief crew. The sign-stealing scandal, the banging on trash cans, isn't necessarily as big of a thing anymore. People aren't as pissed off about that. They're more frustrated with what's going on 
with the MLB, the MLBPA, the owners, Rob Manfred, and him being the puppet master, or basically the owners being the puppet master, and Rob Manfred is out there dancing like an absolute fool. And at the end of the day, I got to say, the Houston Astros have everything going for them. They have their great lineup back. This is the last hurrah, uh, supposedly. I know Ben's been talking about that a lot. Me and Ben talked about it the other day. Is this the last ride? I don't necessarily know. But I'll say this. The Houston Astros have every chance to get things done and secure the bag for the 2020 season and become the top dogs in the AL West and probably the top dog in the AL. I don't see... The ALEs, I see the ALEs being an absolute monster, and the New York Yankees could very well get absorbed in that 60-game season. So the Astros could very well be the number one seed heading into the postseason once again, taking over the American League and very well winning another World Series. And they don't need to bang on a trash can to do it. And that's the that was a fantastic Saturday morning sports sermon. If you want to call up to kind of respond to that, 337-706-0111. And I've got only one guest on this hour today, and that is during the 10 o'clock hour. I'm going to have Christian Clark talk a little bit about the New Orleans Pelicans. They're back in action. They're going to be starting off the resumption of the season, taking on the Utah Jazz, what the likelihood of them even making the playoffs are, a lot of different questions, and how much he's excited about the fact that NBA – is going to be literally all day. I was looking at the kind of they had a tweet that was put up yesterday. I had to pull it up, but basically the season is going to start on you know you got the I love how they're doing this. They're setting it up to where you have to play. Let's say a you have the first game. Let's say on August first, which August first is going to be an important date to keep in mind a little bit later on down the road. But when it comes down to it, August 1st, the first game is at like 12 o'clock. The last game starts at 8. So for about 12 straight hours, you have basketball. That is something I've never thought I wanted, but I can't wait to have. And then at 11.30, we're going to have on Blaine Henry talk a little UFC in Vegas, getting ready for Fight Island, the Dustin Poirier fight, the last dance for Daniel Cormier. We'll talk about that. And so much more. I mean, we're probably going to talk a little bit about Chris Sims. We're going to talk about, you know who, Matt Ryan. We're going to talk about that and so much more on this show. So keep it locked for the next, let's say, hour and 40 minutes for absolutely great sports talk that you can get nowhere else but Acadiana's number one sports station, 103.7 The Game. And, of course, this is Under the Dome with CD. And let's keep that ball rolling. Most sports talk radio shows go up to 10 on the amp, but Under the Dome with CD goes one higher. Why don't you just make 10 louder and make 10 be the top number and make that a little louder? These go to 11. Now back to the show that brings the heat on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game. And welcome back Under the Dome with CD on 103.7 The Game and 103.7 The Game.com. We appreciate you listening in however you're doing so, be it 
through, again, that FM dial, the free mobile app, your smart speakers, Amazon Alexa, Google Home, old school transistor, transistor radio. Make sure you listen in and turn it up. Make sure everybody else is hearing what you're listening to because we got some stuff to talk to you about. And here's something I saw pop up yet a couple days ago that has got a lot of people talking. I was talking with one of our regulars, Ralph. He called in on the game hotline, 337-706-0111 last night. And I've got some thoughts about what he said. And I've also got something else to bring up. And that I'm going to start off with that. Matt Ryan was on part of my take this past Wednesday and had some interesting takes, to say the least, about his Atlanta Falcons, the, the Atlanta Falcons, and where they stand right here, right now, amongst the hierarchy of the NFC South and a bold, bold prediction concerning how many games they win in 2020. Can you just guarantee us how many wins you're going to have next year? Mm. Oh, you mean over and under? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know I can't do that. I'll get roasted for it. But I'm going to say we're going to win 12 games. Ooh, okay. okay. How about this? Also, let's go uh, one step further. Would you say you're the best quarterback in the NFC South? I think currently, yeah. I'll go I'll go with myself. Yes, there you go. Now that Jameis right. is gone. I love it. Well, he's still there. Oh, yeah, good he's point. He's still in the NFC South. We, yeah, no, that is a fair point. I want your reaction on that. 337-706-0111. I got a few minutes before we bring on Christian Clark at around 1030. But, you know, I immediately heard that phrase. One, win 12 games. And obviously it's part of my take, and maybe he was being a little bit more fun with it. But I will also throw this out, and this is coming from Chris Sims. Oh, boy, Chris Sims, you are an absolute, you know what, part of Pro Football Talk, co-host of that, and also has the Unbuttoned podcast where he's been doing kind of like Casey Kasem back in the gap and doing a top 40 countdown, not of your favorite pop songs, but your top 40 of quarterback countdown. And I'm not going to bore you with the entire 40. But I'm going to give you the ones that matter the most. And we're talking about the NFC South and where those rankings are. And honestly, his rankings are damn wrong. So let's 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 run through these real quick, shall we? Number 36, Taysom Hill stands there. I can understand that. Taysom Hill, not necessarily a quarterback by nature, more of a spark plug. Kind of you can plug him in wherever and he can wind up working out. Not necessarily a quarterback by design. I can understand that. 33, Jameis Winston, 30-30 guy last year. If you get his LASIK work, it was 2020. So, I mean, 2020 could be the year where Jameis Winston improves and very well could be in there. But he's going to be a backup for most of the year. Probably not going to play at all. So it makes sense. 29 is the one that is almost infuriating to me. Teddy Bridgewater, Teddy Two Gloves, after what he did last year, he should be ranked a lot higher. Let's, let's kind of, for a frame of reference, let's see who's, just below him, Gardner Minshew, Nick Foles, Case Keenum. Now let's go above him and look who's a couple above. Ryan Fitzpatrick and Andy Dalton. I can get Joe Burrow. I can get Joe Burrow being at 26. But how do you put Andy freaking Dalton, wherever the hell he is right now, over Teddy Two Gloves? Teddy Two Gloves should be ranked a lot higher Probably over Daniel Jones, even, who's at 22. Jared Goff, are, are you kidding me? I am looking at this list right now, and I am infuriated. The fact we have Teddy Bridgewater ranked 29th below Daniel freaking Jones, Sam 
freaking Darnold, Drew Locke, Andy Dalton. I don't even know who's what team he's on anymore. Ryan Fitzpatrick, and he's below those guys. Teddy Bridgewater should be towards the top half of NFL quarterbacks, at least. And then comes the most damning one of them all. Drew Brees ranked number 16th. Number 16, according to Chris Sims in the top 40 QB countdown. I'm sorry, if Chris Sims is Casey Kasem, I'll be damned if this is going to be where he stands on this whole situation. Drew Brees should be a top 10 quarterback in the league. Cam Newton's not even on a team, and he's number 10. I am sorry. That is unacceptable. How can you put a guy like that? Drew Brees, a legend. And yes, his arm may not be as strong as he used to be. The old gray mare ain't what he used to be. But it's still pretty damn good and way better than a guy that's not even on an NFL roster right now. And that is a, that is a damning statement. Tom Brady's at number 15. Are you kidding me? Tom Brady should be much higher. But you heard Matt Ryan say it. I'll play it for you again. Because I think it's perfect time to bring this up. Can you just guarantee us how many wins you're going to have next year? Mm. Oh, you need an over and under. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know I can't do that. I'll get roasted for it. But I'm going to say we're going to win 12 games. Ooh. Ooh okay. okay. How about this? Also, let's go uh, one step further. Would you say you're the best quarterback in the NFC South? I think currently, yeah. I'll go I'll go with myself. Yes, there you go. Now that right. Jameis is gone. I love it. Well, he's still there. Oh, yeah. Good he's point. He's still in the NFC South. We, yeah. No, that is a fair point. <laughs> Then you go up to number seven, seventh best quarterback in all the NFL, Matt Ryan, according to Chris Sims. Chris Sims, you are a jackass. How can you put a guy that was pretty much middle of the road and a couple years ago blew a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl, ranked seventh? For what it's worth, let's look at a couple of below him. Dak Prescott, Matt Stafford. I can get Dak. I can understand Dak. Matt Stafford hasn't won a whole lot. He's been largely irrelevant. He's been more of a stat patter. He's been able to put up gobs of numbers because of the fact he has to throw the football a lot to make up for lost time because they are well behind the eight ball for much of their ball games. The Detroit Lions haven't been relevant in a long, long time. How can you put Matt Ryan, guys like Matt Stafford, Cam Newton, who isn't even on a freaking team right now, that should be an immediate disqualification of this entire thing, I'd honestly throw my top my, a top five I can get. I'd probably put Lamar Jackson number three and put Rodgers at five, but that's just me. So here's his top five, and I can agree with most of this. Pat Mahomes, number one, Russell Wilson, two, Aaron Rodgers, three, Deshaun Watson, four, Lamar Jackson, five. I can agree with all that. I can agree with all that. But the bottom half of that top ten does not make a lick of sense. Carson Wentz, Matt Ryan, Dak Prescott, Matt Stafford, Cam Newton. Here's how I would write this down, right here, right now, in the top ten. Number six would be Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady is probably going to be in the have the best year of his NFL career with the fact he's with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he actually has some weapons to throw to. It's going to suck for the Saints to compete against the Tampa Bay Bucks, but I think they have a chance to do some great things. They're going to be second in the NFC South, but I think he's going to have one of his better years compared to what we saw last season. Then, number seven, Drew Brees. I'd put Dak Prescott. I'd put Dak Prescott number ten, and I'd probably want to putting a guy like Matt Stafford in that eight hole. He'd be in the eight. Now comes to number nine, 
Because obviously Cam Newton's going to move down. I wouldn't even put him on this list. I'd figure out somebody else to put on there. And I'd put Phillip Rivers in at number nine. I'd put Phillip Rivers in at number nine for one reason and one reason only. I think the fact he's on a new team and he has a lot of great talent around him, and this is going to be his last ride, I got to say, he is going to be without a doubt the man to keep an eye on. He's going to wind up making that team a million times better. I have just sat here for days looking at these top 40 quarterback countdowns, number 16, Drew Brees, and getting more and more frustrated with each one above him. Because seriously, I get it. You know, you want to have the young pups in there in the top five. I can understand that. But ladies and gentlemen, there are hot takes, there are lukewarm takes, and there are freezing cold takes. But Chris Sims' take stands head and shoulders above the rest, and it is an idiotic take. It is the kind of take that you see, and you know that it took zero effort to put this list together, and you just said, oh, hey, I'm going to make sure that my top five's good and all the other ones are going to cause a whole lot of controversy and get people butthurt. Why not make one that is the realistic one? How can you put Teddy Bridgewater below guys like Daniel Jones, who hasn't proven a damn thing, Sam Darnold, who's about the same, got tested positive for mono last year, would be surprised what happens with him this year. Andy Dalton, I believe he might be with the Cowboys or something, but Andy Dalton is just going to be a backup jobber. Put Teddy Bridgewater in that top half of this whole rankings. I'd probably put him at number 15 in my rankings, but that's just me. We're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout, try and calm down a little bit, get a little bit more talking about what's going on with those New Orleans Pelicans. And when we come back, we got a lot more to do here on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game at 103.7thegame.com. Back after this. Under the Dome is the show for all the guys that got picked last for a pickup game of basketball. Now, let's get back to one white man who can't jump. It's the famous CD on 103.7 The Game. Not going to lie, I've been waiting to kind of break that one out for a while, that rejoin, and it's true. This white man cannot jump, but we're going to talk about some people who can get up there, get the hops, and we're talking about those New Orleans Pelicans. And we're going to go to the game hotline right now, talk with Christian Clark, part of the New Orleans Advocate and NOAA.com. Christian, how's it going, man? I, I thought you were talking about me, guys who can jump. <laughs> but, you know, Christian, I think obviously we need to start off with the fact that the Pelicans are going to get a lot of love when it comes to these primetime matchups. They've got three of them. They're going to be on the four-letter network or on ABC. They're going to be starting. They'll be the first game of the resumption of this 2020 season. What was your reaction when you saw the remaining eight games in Orlando? Yeah, so I think uh, five of the remaining eight games are going to be on national TV. Um, I was just, I guess, you know, happy um, that, that the NBA did try to take into account remaining strength of schedule. I know that's one thing that the Pelicans were really concerned about. You know, they... 15 of their final 18 games that, that got suspended were supposed to be against teams with losing records. Um, I, the Pelicans really wanted the rest of their schedule to 
you know, at least kind of resembled that. They didn't want to have a, a brutal, you know, final eight games because they got kind of robbed of those those easy last eight teams. So six of their last eight are against teams with losing records. You know, once they really get past those first two games, it's it's pretty doable. So I think they have to be pretty happy with with the way it went. I think they have to be 100% happy. I know the fans aren't necessarily quite as happy because you don't have a situation where you play the Grizzlies twice because that could wind up helping out your overall lot in life a lot better. But, you know, beggars can't be choosers. You've still got a solid chance. We have you're playing All eight games, you're playing teams. The overall winning percentage is the lowest in the league. You've got probably the easiest strength of schedule the rest of the way to kind of set yourself up for a potential run for that eight seed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I honestly think the NBA, you know, was pretty fair in, in taking into account every different team's, um, you know, desires. Uh, I think Memphis fans are, are probably a little mad, but you know what? I, I think it's fair. Like, if you if you get beat twice in a row, if you're the eighth seed, then I'm, you know what? Under these weird circumstances, I'm sorry. Like, you you just don't deserve to go to the playoffs. That's that's just kind of the way it is in my mind. I mean, it's what the Pelicans are trying to do. Yeah, they have. You know the schedule is in their favor, but I still think it's really difficult. Um, I mean, we know they're going to have to win at least as many games as Memphis during these eight. We know they're going to have to win at least one more game than Portland over these final eight. And keep in mind, Portland getting back, you know, Zach Collins, Yusuf Nurkic. Um, so it's still not going to be easy. And if they do all that, they got to beat Memphis twice in a row. It's just it's just hard to beat a team you're fairly evenly matched up twice in a row in a really high-stakes game, even though I think the Pels are probably a better team at full strength. Talking right now, Christian Clark, and you, and you bring up full strength. I think obviously everybody knows that you don't have a guy like a Drew Holiday, more likely than not, making that trip, obviously, with his wife and all the pre-existing conditions she's had and she's been dealing with over the last couple of years. Like, do you think anybody else could be holding out due to any of, any litany of reasons? So it's it's my understanding, and this is not um, written in stone yet, but it's my understanding that, that Drew is going to be a part of this restart process. Um, there there are a couple more I'm waiting to see on, but I'm actually I'm fairly optimistic that the Pelicans are going to have their full starting five, and, and they're going to have all their key rotation players. Um, by Wednesday, teams have to basically decide, okay, once and for all, who's in and who's out, so we should – know for sure by the middle of this week, but I think there's a pretty good chance that they have all the really important players. And how huge would that be to be able to be truly at full strength with Zion Williamson now that you know he's had time off, you know he's ready to go, and I, I don't think that they're going to wind up having kind of the proverbial chains on him. Chains are going to be off, and the Cad's going to be out there ball like none other to make that run for the eight seed. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's huge. I think, you know, the, the starting lineup that the Pelicans wanted to use opening night only played 17 games together this season. Um, it was, it was pretty good. Like they, they showed that, you know, when they have Lonzo Ball, uh, Drew Holiday, Ingram, Zion, and, and Derek Favors, they're a pretty good team. They could consistently beat those middle of the pack and bad teams. Um, and, you know, I think it's going to be huge. Zion was incredible. I, I mean, I think the Pelicans will be the first to tell you that. He wasn't in the best shape. Um, so, you know, all indications are that Zen has used this time to, to continue working on his body. You know, I, I think there's really no substitute for playing five-on-five basketball. I just don't think that's a thing you can really simulate properly. But, 
you know, what I'm what I'm hearing is are are good things about Zion, you know, continuing to stay in shape. So I don't I don't see any reason why he can't pick up where he left off. I'd have to I'd have to agree with you. I think it's the fact that you have everything set up right here, right now for a lot of success. And even if they, like, even if they don't make the eight seed, I mean, again, making the eight seed with only eight games, it feels like it's a Herculean task, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. But even if they don't make it, how great is that to kind of have that learning experience to play against the best and play in games that absolutely matter when it comes to the fact that the Pelicans, especially in the case of Zion Williamson was able to finish out the season and have this experience. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it'll be great for the young guys. Um, and and just, just think about where this franchise has been in the past year and a half. I mean, last year was an all-time disaster. You know, your franchise player just, just basically nukes the season. Um, you, you get, you know, some good luck. You get Zion Williamson, and he gets hurt for the first three months of the season. They start off 6-22. and 22. I mean, for a team that started the season six and twenty-two to to even have a shot here right at the end to make the playoffs and play in some exciting games, I, I think you take that. Talk right now with Christian Clark, part of the New Orleans Advocate and NOLA.com. Obviously, you know, I think the NBA is probably the only league that could wind up pulling off what they're doing right now with the bubble because I, with football, it's pretty much impossible. But it just feels like on paper they're the only league that can wind up pulling this kind of thing off. Yeah, and I think it actually kind of works to their advantage that you know their season got interrupted like three fourths of the way through or whatever it was because you know these guys are going to be there anywhere from five weeks to three months. Um, that's that's a pretty big ask to to ask guys to be away from their families for that amount of time. I mean, if you tried to do this in football, I mean it's it's longer than three months. I mean, you just, I just don't think you can ask guys to be at a central location, you know, not stay in their homes for four five, six months or whatever. So that's a big reason why they're able to, to attempt this experiment is because they only have, you know, a relatively little bit of the season left to go. Well, I mean, it's not even the fact like you'd have to put them in a proverbial bowl for three months. It's also the fact that you're going to wind up having like, let's say in the case of like, NFL football, there's a 53-man roster, not counting all the coaching staff and everybody else involved. That just seems like it's almost impossible to try and set up to where you could pretty much have it in a bubble for a three- to six-month period. Yeah, no, I think you're, you're right about that. The, the numbers are a huge factor, too. Um, you know, team, NBA teams are only allowed to take a maximum of 35 people to, to this campus. So, like, even, even NBA teams – and franchises which are which are not large compared to you know other American professional sports are really having to whittle down their numbers and and decide you know who's essential. I mean, what, I wonder what is like the minimum number you could whittle of an NFL traveling party down to. Um, I, I got to imagine it's like uh, three times the size of that or something like that. So I, I think you're right that the numbers are a pretty big factor too. And, you know, one of the big things that I've noticed and kind of been reading about is the fact that when it comes to the media perspective and the, and the media representation is that, you know, obviously the, you won't have the post game in the locker room. It'll be more virtual. But the fact that you'll be largely locked in a lot like the players are right now inside Disney World for th- for about three months, hypothetically. Do you think you can wind up doing that for three months, being locked inside Disneyland and not being able to ride the rides? <laughs> 
yeah, no splash mountain the entire time you're there. Uh, I think that, uh, only 10 people are going to be actually allowed to stay in the bubble the entire time. Um, so it's a very limited number of national people. You know, I think some local media will be allowed to stay off site and only go in for the games and just basically that's your only added benefit is just get, get to watch the games in person. So, man, it would, it would be a tough ask to be one of those 10 people inside the bubble. I mean, you're, you're getting tested every day too, um, away from your family. That'd be, that'd be tough. I think it'd just be tough for anybody in general. And, you know, from what I've, and, you know, one thing I noticed, this is something from a while back I saw that Alvin Gentry, is he actually going to make the, make the trip to Orlando or is he going to have to kind of be remote? Because I know he's a lot older. And I know that's definitely one of the big concerns. You don't want to have him high, like running the risk and probably a guy like Pop as well. You don't want to run the risk of having these guys, especially the older coaches, kind of contract this. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's I guess, a, a question that still needs to be answered. I know Alvin this entire time has been really adamant that I want to be with my team and coach him, so I think he's you know, really fighting to go. Um, that's kind of an issue I think that still needs to be resolved, to be honest, because it really seemed, seemed like at least you know a week or two ago that the NBA was really hesitant about sending you know people who are 65 or older in. And, you know, what coaches like Alvin Gentry and Mike D'Antoni, them and their agent and, you know, legal people are arguing is that it's kind of discrimination. And, and you know, this could potentially hurt us from, from getting jobs in the future. Um, you know, Mike D'Antoni is kind of get, like things are tenuous with him in Houston. Alvin Gentry has one year left on his deal. Um, and I think that's a really valid concern. Um, my, you know, my humble opinion, I think that, as long as anybody understands the risks, it's it's kind of up to them. That's just how I feel in this situation. But yeah, I mean, I maybe it is a thing that has to be resolved legally, but uh, hopefully it doesn't come to that. Exactly, and you know, like we're talking about this, the potential of let's say you know Alvin Gentry is having a coach from home. How would that work out? Would you basically have like one of those like? iPads and it basically is hoisted up to where he's able to look at the court like through FaceTime or something because this just feels like it's a mess to kind of try and like collaborate. It's not like working from home like with the Zoom calls and whatnot. This is a whole different monster. Yeah, I mean, I have no idea how you do that. I don't, I don't know how you uh, virtually work the refs. I mean, that's a, a big part of NBA coaching. <laughs> how do you, how do you tell like Billy Kennedy that was a crappy call uh, when you're when you're you know, not sitting right there. That's a great question. I mean, you'd have presumably, let's say, you're kind of being like, hey, that was a bad call. And as you're trying to say this, the feed cuts off, and you can't, it, like, you're just frozen in time for, like, 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just don't think it has the same effect of Greg Popovich telling you you suck uh, through a screen as he does in person. <laughs> Christian, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Can't wait for the NBA season to get back in action. All right, guys. Thank you so much. All right, that was Christian Clark, part of NOAA.com and the New Orleans Advocate. We're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. When we come back, I saw this pop up yesterday, and it's a quote from Eddie Bonine. I saw this on Twitter, and I feel like bringing it up. We're going to talk about that and a whole lot more. Getting ready to wrap up hour number one of Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Back after this. 
numbers don't lie, because when you listen to Under the Dome with CD, your knowledge of sports increases by 141 and two-thirds percent. And they spell disaster for you as sacrifice. Now, let's get back to the genetic freak of sports talk on Acadiana's Sports Station, 1037, The Game. And welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Getting ready to wrap up our number two. And I saw this quote yesterday from Gabe, for, this is something that Gabe Fertitta screen grab. This is head coach of Catholic Baton Rouge. And he put this out on Twitter. So the vast majority of kids who will never get to play in the Superdome anyway will have their seasons shortened if need be just to play championships in the Dome instead of simply sliding the schedule a week or two and playing the championship elsewhere. And this is the quote from Eddie Bonine I was talking about. We have thought about it. Quote, you, you know my attitude about athletes being able to compete in the Superdome. It's a life-changing experience. We start at the Superdome and work our way back. I'm not sliding the schedule. If we lose week one, we lose week one. If we lose week two, we lose week two. If we lose week three, we lose week three. How deep can you go losing weeks before it's going to be a substantial season. We can change the playoff schedule in terms of the number of teams. It's not about sliding the schedule. It's about losing weeks. The Dome is important. And, of course, the Dome is kind of set up for a specific time and a specific time frame. At the end of the day, let's say, you know, most high school weeks one through three are going to be your non-district games. And, for instance, I'm going to pull this up real quick because I don't have it, like, readily available, but I know they put out the Karagor High School football schedule. Let's use them as a prime example of what I'm talking about. Because there's a, like, I like this schedule this year. It's going to be really fun. So let's just go with that 2020 schedule. And because you think about it, in high school football, these wins and losses in the first few weeks of the season matter a hell, hell of a lot. So the first four or five weeks of the season, here's how your schedule looks. You open up the season against Acadian on September 4th. You play New Iberia Senior High. You play Nish on week two of September 11th. September 18th, you play Sam Houston. September 25th, you play Washington Marion to wrap up your non-district slate. It's a four-week non-district schedule. Then you play St. Martinville on October 2nd, October 9th, Turlings, October 16th, Northside, October 23rd, you play Abbeville. October 30th, right before Halloween, you play STM. And you wrap up the regular season against Westgate. Now, their, their district is always really strong with teams like Turlings, St. Thomas More, Karenko will always make this a competitive district. Northside, and eh, it just depends. Westgate can be a real bugaboo. But again, look at what you got. Look at what you got for the first half of the season. All those games are going to matter, especially at Katie and High, the reigning, defending, undisputed 5A state champion from last year. Can they do it again is the real million-dollar question. But let's say hypothetically you lose the first three weeks of the season. You lose Acadiana. You lose Nish. You lose Sam Houston. Two out of those three are going to be really good for the biggest thing that matters in the world of high school football. Power ratings. Power ratings. And, you know, at the end of the day, for me, and I think a lot of people out there listening in listener land, wherever you are, be it, again, on the FM dial, the free mobile app, smart speakers, however you're doing so, it's the fact that it doesn't matter about where it's held. It matters the fact that the championship is taking place. I think it, it doesn't matter where it's held. Just make sure you have the best team that you know is in there. 
And if you have a situation like this where you lose two out of your three toughest games on the schedule in, let's say, you lose a Kadiana in New Iberia, two really good teams in Class 3-5A. You're playing up in those. You're playing up in 3-5A, one of the toughest districts in all of Acadiana. And you're playing the Wreck Rams week one. That game's canceled. You lose a lot of power rating points from that game probably at the end of the day. If you just play just district and it's just five games, that's going to be disappointing as hell. Like, that's going to be disappointing if you're a fan of Caracro because that winds up hurting your power rating and hurts all the other power ratings across the across the state. That is going to be disappointing, and I feel I feel for Tony Corville and crew if you lose some games due to this COVID-19 pandemic, and I think it's honestly a genuine question that needs to be asked about what's going to happen going forward with the rest of the LHSA. What's Eddie Bonine going to do? I don't know. I don't have his number on speed dial. I don't know what he means by this quote. But I think you should be sliding these, not canceling the games altogether because of the fact that these games matter so much more. It's a lot like what we hear in the world of like boxing or, the, or even the NFL. The NFL is going to cancel a game because you lose that game. That means the next game is going to matter that much more. Play the 10 games. Slide it back if you have to. Play the state championships somewhere else. That's all i got to say about that. Hour one in the books. Hour two of two coming up in just a little bit. And we got more Under the Dome with CD coming up next. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Live and local from the 1037 The Game Studios in Upper Lafayette. This is Acadiana's number one sports station, 1037 The Game. Streaming live at 1037thegame.com and on the free 1037 The Game mobile app. It's Saturday. Take a walk on the wild side. Get your Saturday started with an inside look under the dome with the world famous CD. Do you know who I am? I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. On 103.7, the game. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Hour number two of two of under the dome with yours Really? Yo, it's me. It's me. It's the world-famous CD, and we are coming to you live from the beautiful, palatial, dare I say, opulent and cromulent 103.7 The Game Studios. Now, I can't help it that I'm custom-made. I can't help it that I look good, smell good, woo, can dance all night long. And we appreciate you listening wherever you are, be it. On the FM dial. This is where the power lies. The free 1037 The Game mobile app, smart speakers, Amazon Alexa, Google Home, Windows Phone, wherever you are. We appreciate you listening, even on 1037thegame.com. we got all kinds of great content. And if you missed an interview, you can go to 1037thegame.com. Check out our on-demand section. Click audio on-demand under the dome with CD. And you'll see a lot of those podcast up there including cajun strong style podcast it's up there right now you can check it out on there as well we got a lot of great stuff going on on our website but that's a different conversation for a different day and by the way the game hotline is open 
337-706-0111. And I said it before, I'll say it again, the fact that this is Acadiana's number one sports station. We're on from 10 to noon. And that must mean we're one of the best in the business. When last year I spent more money on spilt liquor in bars from one side of this world to the other than you made. You're talking to the Rolex wearing, diamond ring wearing, kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing, limousine riding, jet flying, son of a gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. Woo! And we're going to start off hour number two with another little bit of a rant about the MLB. The MLB is back, baby, and I'm absolutely excited about it. But at the same time, I am very, very frustrated. Now, why am I frustrated, you ask? I've got a lot of things to say, and a lot of things i got to get off my chest. First of all, full disclosure, a lifelong fan of the game of baseball. I remember going to the Astrodome back when I was a little kid and loved it. I don't necessarily remember much of the game. I just remember the fact that we went to Astroworld. But Astrodome was a place where I remember going to, and I remember seeing a game way back in the gap in the early 90s, whenever Jeff Bagwell was kind of getting started. But the fact that, you know, this took too long, it took this long to reach a resolution is beyond my pay grade. I have been absolutely frustrated with Rob Manfred for the better part of six months. And I'll tell you a lot of reasons why he is probably the worst commissioner in all of MLB. And at first glance, Rob Manfred felt like he was okay. He felt like he was a guy, the guy to replace Bud Selig, who was also a bit of an ass. I'll just say that much when it comes down to it. Bud Selig moving the Astros over to the AL for hardly any real reason and really hurting the Astros franchise for a good while. Thankfully, they got out of the muck and the mire of that and are finally relevant again. But I'm just sitting here saying, you know, the MLB and the owners should be the ones that get the worst of my wrath. And i got a big reason why. It's the fact that they sit there and kept lowballing the players left and right. This went on for weeks. Whenever you could have just gotten it done right the first time. You could have done the prorated salary for 82 games instead of this sliding scale BS. That was the first thing that kind of burned my beans. They lowballed the players each and every time they took advantage of those players. They said, hey, prorated salary, 100%. After that original 82-game sliding scale mess, that largely just gave them 37%. Every single time they went back to the bargaining table, it was the same damn thing, 37%. They could not give them any more or any less. I sat there and just saw that every single time, 37%. You were going to get that roundly rejected. It felt like... You know, when you go to GameStop and you basically are going to sell your game and a game that you spent $60 for, oh, hey, we're going to give you 3 bucks for it, pal. Why did I even do this in the first place? Why didn't I just keep it on the shelf to stay there for all eternity if you're just going to give me $3 for a copy of last year's Madden or whatever? It's absolutely frustrating to me that I'm seeing the MLB and the owners continually Lowballing the players. I said it before, I'll say it again. The owners, the commissioner works for the owners. But if you look at the case of Adam Silver, that's not necessarily 100% true. 
The MLB and the, the MLB commissioner could be a guy who works for both sides. But the MLB is too old and out of touch to understand this kind of thing. And this is going to be part of the headstone that the game of baseball will have. What we just saw with the MLB and the MLBPA negotiations where there was zero momentum. There was nothing going on. An out-of-touch commissioner of an already out-of-touch league causes the league to fall into obscurity because you couldn't just give the damn players 82 games at full prorated scale. You got billion-dollar owners crying and complaining. Even Jim Crane's out there complaining that he's losing money. Where, where? Everybody's losing money right now. Right now, we're in the middle of a global pandemic. You are billionaires, and you're complaining about the fact that you ain't getting it. You're losing money because of the fact that you don't have a 162-game season. We are having a 60-game season. We can't have fans in the stands. Well, you know what? Nobody else can have fans in the stands right now. That's your biggest problem? Bottom line, full stop, I am absolutely tired of Rob Manfred and what he's done to the league. At the end of the day, I'd step down at the end of the year if I was Rob Manfred. I'd step down because I've ruined the game of baseball beyond reproach. There is no way that the casual fan is going to come back after this year. Or even this year. You see, have seen the millionaires fighting the millionaires fighting billionaires. They are seeing the millionaires fighting billionaires day in and day out. We're seeing hundreds of thousands of people lose their jobs, suffering those hard time blues, and I am with those people. The fact, the absolute fact that we are seeing the MLB ruin themselves because of the fact that millionaires are fighting billionaires is the basis of all this makes me sick as a lifelong baseball fan. Rob Manfred should just go away. You know, we talk about cancel culture all the time. Hashtag cancel Manfred. That's my take on that whole situation. Rob Manfred should just go the way of the Dodo Bird. Pun intended. Go the way of baseball. Baseball is dead to a lot of people. And trust me, if you have a 2021 season that gets canceled due to these grievances that will inevitably be filed, there's going to be a big problem. You're just delaying the inevitable, and we will see this happen. I'll still support the sport of baseball because I love it so much. But the casual fans are going to go away in droves. Those are the fans that you want to try and grab. Honestly, Ryan Terrio said it best a few weeks ago on Bumper to Bumper Sports. Gary V should be the commissioner of baseball. He's, let's be honest, he knows what goes on in the world of social media. He knows how to draw eyes to products. He knows how to do that in 2020. The LB does not know how to do that. They largely keep this close to the vest. The Astros, for instance, they cannot put out a clip of their broadcast. Guess who has to do that? The MLB. The MLB puts out the highlights on their own. The Astros can't. We can't. Under threat of persecution, pretty much. Because they're going to take us down immediately, give us a DMCA, and probably take down our Twitter account. So we can't do that because of their express written consent. The NFL has been a little bit more lenient. The NBA loves it when you see, when somebody posts a big highlight from an NBA game because guess what? It gets more eyes to the overall product. That's what Gary Vee would do, be able to focus a lot on the social media to get those casual fans invested back in. But now at this point, we're too far gone. The NFL 
is looking like they're they're the best. They're the top dog. You have the NBA right below that because they are in touch with everybody. I even think the NHL is third. I even think as an, an anti-hockey person, because I'm not a huge hockey guy. I used to be a hockey guy back when the ice skaters were around, but that was about it. I don't have a true hockey team I lean on. But at the end of the day, I think they are better than the MLB, even with Gary Bettman's crazy behind, and he's not even he's not even that great of a commissioner. But Rob Manfred is the absolute worst commissioner. And I think the most damning statement of it all is back not long after the whole situation with the Astros banging on a trash can, strumming on a street light, however you want to put it. They bottom he bottom line said, you know, World Series is just a piece of metal. He went full Hulk Hogan in Japan when he called the WWF title a toy. That is not how you want to wind up calling your championship. That means you don't even care about your own title. Your World Series title, which has a legacy of over 100 years. 100 years. It's not like the NFL would just celebrate its 100-year anniversary, and there's only been 54 Super Bowls because it used to be the NFL and the AFL. They used to be separate. This is a league that's had 100 years plus World Series champs. You can go back to 1899 and find stats from those years. And, you know, we want to talk about asterisks. Bottom line, I don't care about the little star on a 2017 campaign for the Astros that led to a World Series. It happened. Deal with it. I am tired. I am sick and tired of Rob Manfred ruining the great sport of baseball. I am sick and tired of him running this league into the ground. You could have had absolutely every single eye on your games. You could have had everybody's attention. Right now, we could be getting ready to air Astros baseball here on 103.7 The Game. Instead of airing an old school game for 2011, which we'll be doing later today with Jose Altuve's MLB debut, but the fact that you could have a brand new game on today, today, if you had gotten that AU game schedule done weeks ago, we could be talking Major League Baseball starting next week. Fourth of July weekend, we could have had the open game. Tell me that's not a problem. I am sick and tired of Rob Manfred ruining the MLB day in and day out. Because he is pretty much what I've heard many people say in the past. In fact, on this day nine years ago, one man said said this phrase, a bunch of glad-handing bag yes-men. That's what we got here. Rob Manfred is a glad-handing bag yes-man. That's where I'm at on this whole situation. That's my opinion, and I'm sticking to it because I think it is straight-up facts. I've mentioned my hatred for Rob Manfred, but after the fact we have the season become official, it's almost at what cost? What are we doing as a society where we're getting largely baseball is going the way of the dodo bird. The great American pastime is lost and stuck in the past. I don't care if you juice up all these guys with the serum that you juiced up Ivan Drago and Rocky Four with. I don't care what you do. There is no way, and I mean no way, that you're getting the casual fan back after this. That's where I'm at. You're going to have your core fan base, your P1s, but guess what? 
All your other cats are going to be long gone. And that's a damn shame. That's a damn shame. We're going to take a quick time out in just a little bit at 1130. Going to have on Blaine Henry. Let's talk a little UFC in Las Vegas. And now I'm going to go ahead and take a break. Calm myself down. Because I'm getting a little bit of headache from yelling. But I'm going to talk about something a little more positive for once. And that's the NBA season getting restarted. And their schedule, it's pretty damn lit. We'll talk about that in just a little bit. And when we come back, you're listening to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 1037 The Game and 1037TheGame.com. Under the Dome with CD is a show for all the degenerates out there. You make your rules and we will break them. Let's get back to the famous CD, who will break it all down for us. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. And before I get into some NBA talk, I know we're going to talk with him, uh, Dust, with him uh, not Dustin Poirier, excuse me, Blaine Henry of the Fight Library talking a little UFC in Vegas. But this actually announced earlier today, uh, early, actually yesterday, excuse me, that Dustin Poirier named the inaugural recipient of the Forrest Griffin Community Award presented by Toyo Tires. So congrats to him for doing that. That's really cool stuff. Right before his big fight tonight against Dan Hooker, currently listed as a favorite at minus 230. But right here, right now, that's some really cool stuff. And this is named in honor of Hall of Famer Forrest Griffin and recognize a UFC athlete for their exceptional volunteer and charity work and the meaningful impact their efforts have on the community. And this is also largely because of the fact that you look at what he's been able to do. It's amazing. And, you know, Dustin will d- donate $25,000. Actually, excuse me, UFC and Toyo Tires are going to donate $25,000 to the charity of his choice. And in April 2018, Dustin and his wife, Jolie, established the Good Fight Foundation and also done a lot of great stuff as well and has utilized his fight-worn UFC fight kits, auctioning off his apparel to raise donations for families of fallen law enforcement officers and building a playground for Aaron Hill, a terminally ill seven-year-old of Lafayette. Really great stuff from Dustin the Diamond Poirier. Not just a great fighter, but a great guy in general. you got to love that kind of stuff. But now I'm going to get to the NBA. Because I feel like the NBA is crushing it right now. I mentioned the fact I was crushing Rob Manfred's face in just now, but honestly, the NBA is crushing it in terms of bringing basketball back. I think the bubble situation is going to work. I think it's going to work. More importantly, they're cornering the market unlike any other. The first night, you're only going to have two games, but you're going to have upwards of seven, seven games over the course of a day. For instance, let's go with day two, Friday, July 31st. The first full slate of games that will be going on on a Friday night. First game is going to be at 1.30. Last game is going to be at 8. This is our, this is our time. It's 2.30 Eastern time, so it's basically about 1.30 here. You'll be able to see all these games starting at 1.30, and then 8 o'clock will be the last game starting. And they'll have basically the situation is they have three courts they're going to wind up using. Or two courts, something like that. But one court is going to be used for games that are going to be broadcast regionally. So let's say the Fox Sports New Orleans crew. I believe they're going to be doing this stuff remotely as well. 
because they don't want to have everybody over there. I think they're going to have Joel Myers and crew over there doing commentary from home. That's going to be interesting. I know I, I'm going. I'm sidetracking here, but I, I can't remember if I mentioned this story before. But the one time I met Joel Myers, I learned a lot of stuff about him. He was cool. So I'm going off on a tangent, and I like it. So let's just talk about the Pelicans play-by-play voice. Joel Myers met him a couple of years ago at a Cajuns game because he was calling the game. This was back before ESPN Plus existed, and he was doing a call for ESPN three for the Cajuns. It was a non-conference game. It was the it was. Was it? A, I think it was a conference game. Can't remember who, but I remember we had Alabama Ole Miss playing on the TV, and this was well before the game started. Probably got there a couple hours before kick. Just a sit down, set up shop. It was right after back when we did the producers, but met Joel Myers, and it was really cool just to talk to him and chat him up about this. And he mentioned the fact that he does a show on a terrestrial radio, on extraterrestrial radio, on satellite radio, and he does a show in the mornings. And basically, he does the show in his office, and pretty much has his dog underneath him the entire time, and basically he's petting him for a good chunk of the show. That story is amazing in and of itself. So I can about imagine he'll have the same setup when he's doing his show, when he's doing the broadcast for the Pelicans games, from his own home, presumably. Because I don't know exactly how they're going to do the whole setup. But I absolutely love the idea of bringing the experience and bringing that experience from the home. I'm sure the NBA on TNT will do a lot of similar stuff. But again, you've got the Pelicans. They're going to be featured a lot. you got the Pels game on the first game against the Utah Jazz. going to be on TNT. They're on the four-letter network for their second game on August the 1st at 5 o'clock tip. I love this. I love this setup. It's seven games like for most days. I think day two of like the full blown restarts, like five, yeah, five games, and then you've got upwards of seven games some days. That is amazing. And I have the fact that some of these you're going to be starting at twelve thirty, and your last game's at eight. So presumably you're going to have about upwards of 10, 11 hours of nonstop NBA basketball. Especially if you have the league pass, you can kind of do some awesome stuff. So honestly, you're going to be feeling pretty darn good. And you're probably going to be feeling a lot like Barney Gumble. Just hook it to my veins! You are going to want to hook this up to your veins. And honestly, I cannot wait to see what happens with the NBA. Those final eight games to determine the seating, determine where things go. The Pelicans have a chance to possibly get into the conversation of being a top-level team and being one of those top-flight programs and being towards the top of the NBA power rankings and being towards that eight seed because they've got a they've got an uphill climb, but they have every chance to do so. And I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen with that. Now, where the rest of the now how they do the rest of the playoffs is a different question, but the fact they have an opportunity, we always talk about it. Thankful for the opportunity. I'm thankful for this opportunity to be on the air with you right now, because honestly, I wondered if I ever have. A shot to do my own show. And I got, I got my guy Lewis jumping in on the anonymous text line. He's listening to the show. Appreciate you, my brother. Pell's going 8-0. I don't care. I love the like absolute kind of huevos that he is holding right now. Huevos Rancheros. 
He is holding him down. And I have, I have to say, he's got a strong point. Again, we mentioned the schedule and the season restart, the schedule. Here's what the Pels are going to play. They're going to play the Jazz to start off on July 30th. August 1st, they're playing the Clippers. And then a couple days later, they're playing Memphis at 530 on August 3rd. And then a couple days later, they're going to be playing the Sacramento Kings on August the 6th at 1230. Boy, that's going to be interesting. And then you have a game coming up on the Friday night. You go back-to-back. This is the one back-to-back I think they'll have. And that'll be a late-night game against the Washington Wizards. You take a couple days off. You're back at it on Sunday against the San Antonio Spurs on August 9th. And then you go on to play the Sacramento Kings again on August the 11th. I think that you think you play the Kings twice. I think that's interesting. I think I like that idea. I wouldn't be surprised if the Kings could get whipped on those two games. And then you wrap up. I can't believe my phone got triggered from that one. But I'm, uh, then they wrap it up against the Orlando Magic on August the 13th. So basically, you've got. I say you've got a chance to go six and two with this schedule. Now I'm probably going to be completely wrong on that. You can hold me to that, but I think the Pelicans go six and two. Not like my guy Lewis Prejean, who again just sliding in to the anonymous text line. I usually get a handful of people hit me up during the show, but I just saw that one pop up. Pel's going eight zero. I don't care. I love the confidence of the big cat out there. The probably the biggest Pelicans fan I know. And it's always like it amazes my dad to this day that Lewis is like a Pels fan. I don't know why, but it just does. But we're gonna go ahead and take a quick timeout. When we come back, we're gonna go from the NBA to MMA. Talk a little UFC in Vegas. Talk to our guy Blaine Henry. He'll be on the game hotline talking a little bit of UFC in Vegas. Dustin Poirier, Dan Hooker. Looking ahead to the big DC fight, the last dance for him, the trilogy fight for Steve Miocic, and how good does the UFC look right now to have a lot of success in terms of buy rates? We'll talk about that and more next on Under the Dome with CD on 1037 The Game or 1037thegame.com. From the octagon to the 20 by 20 squared circle and everywhere in between. The world famous CD isn't afraid of tackling any topic. Just don't expect him to get into the ring with anyone he offends. Just bring it. Let's get back to Under the Dome. And welcome back. To Under the Dome, and now we're going to go to the game hotline, talk a little bit of the Octagon in the UFC in Las Vegas. They're getting ready for Fight Island, and to talk about it, we're going to go over to the game hotline, talk with our guy from the Fight Library, Blaine Henry. Blaine, what is going on, man? Man, good to be back. Thanks for having me, dude. How are you doing? I'm doing good, doing good. Obviously, the last few weeks, it's kind of been hit or miss to try and try and get you on. A couple weeks ago, we had cell phone problems. Then you had other things come up, couldn't get you on. It is what it is. We're glad to have you on right here, right now, getting ready 
for UFC Fight Night, the fourth one in Vegas at the Apex. And Poirier, Dustin Poirier, the main event, taking on Dan Hooker. This is probably going to be a big fight to see what's going to happen with Dustin Poirier. It's been about a year since he's gotten back into the octagon after what happened over in, if I'm not mistaken, that was Abu Dhabi whenever he lost the lightweight title in that big fight against Khabib. Where do you see Dustin Poirier right here, right now? Comeback fight. Dan Hooker's a very good fight, but it's not anywhere near the level he's fought before against Eddie Alvarez, Matt Holloway, and Justin Gaethje. Um, this is a winnable fight for Dan Hooker uh, as well, but Dustin Poirier really has the advantage here, honestly. Um, you know I love our Louisiana guys, so. Yeah, you got to love Dustin Poirier. And I have the fact that he was actually presented with the Forrest Griffin Community Award. No surprise there, right? Uh, that, uh, the Community Award is a fantastic thing that they're doing to, to highlight the good people in the sport. And Dustin Poirier has, you know, his, his um, I forget the name of it. Gee, don't kill me, Dustin. But it's his, uh, what you call it? His, the Good Fight I Foundation? Think of the name. Yeah, the Good Fight Foundation. Thank you very much. And, you know, he does a lot of good through that. You know, a lot of his money he doesn't keep for himself. He, he, he donates it and, and helps out the community and stuff. And I like seeing that from fighters, not just from Louisiana, but from everywhere. And then you look at him, uh, Poirier's opponent, Dan Hooker, clear underdog, according to Bavada, plus 180 dog. What can you say about him? I mean, the guy out of New Zealand could very well kind of want put his three-fight winning streak on the line against Poirier. Where do you, what do you think he's going to do tonight? Dan Hooker, um, he's, like I said, it's going to be tough for him. But he has, a, he has a good three good wins in a row. Paul Felder, Ally Quinta, and James Mick. Um, this is kind of a skill test for Dan, too, to see if he's ready for the top of the heap in the stacked lightweight division. Um, so, you know, if he gets out with a win against Dustin Poirier, he'll be ready for the top guys like Justin Gaethje, Tony, and uh, Habib, Conor McGregor, those types of names. Talk right now with Blaine Henry of the Fight Library. And when it comes to what's going to happen with Dustin Poirier, if he wins tonight, what's next for him? Hey, Dustin's in an odd spot. You know, he, he lost his title shot uh, decisively against Khabib. And looking at the lightweight rankings, you know, there's, there's not much out there above for him. You know, he's right fourth right now behind Tony Ferguson, Gaethje, and Khabib. Um, you know, there's Conor McGregor out there. Conor is the uh, one of these few guys that have beaten Dustin Poirier. You got Charles Oliveira, who's underneath him, too. But, I mean, if he beats Dan Hooker, he's going to have to fight somebody above him. So, I mean, Tony Ferguson's that option. Um, the next ES fight was scheduled a while back. Uh, that'd be another fun one to see. Uh, so there's options for him, but there's no um, – he, he's not bound for a title yet right now. He needs a couple more wins before he, he does. I'd agree with that, but you brought up the man himself, Conor McGregor. Like, what is going on with this cat? Do you even remotely believe the rumor and innuendo of him wanting to hang it up? Uh, this time it's a little different. Um, Conor McGregor in the past has, has, has retired twice. This is his third time retiring. The first time was just him trolling people. The second time was him negotiating. This time it seems more sincere. Mm, I can see it. Uh, I think he's frustrated during COVID time right now. But, I mean, the man made $100 million against Floyd Mayweather alone. Came back made another two and a half against Khabib. And that didn't even count sponsorship. Uh, no telling what he made in the Cowboy fight. So, Conor got money. It might be hard for him to get up in the morning and say, man, I really want to get punched in the face today. I mean, and I have the fact he's got the proper 12 out there, probably doing pretty well for him too. Fastest 
selling whiskey in the world right now. It's insane how good of a marketing job he's done with uh, Proper 12. Well, sure. I like that, too. It wasn't too bad. Yeah, I'm about to say, should should we be surprised about the fact that like Conor McGregor is a good marketer? Because after all, he's been able to kind of make himself out to be one of the top guys, and he definitely is justifiably one of the top guys in the sport of MMA. But you know, he's been able to kind of market himself as the as the king of MMA, as one of those top draws. That's a big reason why I think Proper Twelve is selling like hotcakes. Conor, he, he made his name off of marketing. The, the Jose Aldo fights really work. He started to. Um get his his name, you know, he defeated the one of the greatest mixed martial artists of all time. So that is where he kind of uh he, he got his name and then, you know, after that he kind of just kept growing and kept growing and he's just a marketer, really. He's a really good marketer. He knows how to get people talking about things, not just himself but things. Um and that's a success behind Proper Twelve as well. He knows he's a competitor at heart and he's competing with Jameson and other whiskey companies. So you know, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back, but I don't know if he will, honestly. Yeah, I'm about to, I'm about to say, it just doesn't, it feels like, you know, we're being worked again, but I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back to the UFC for maybe one final fight, but he's got to have, like, the right thing set up and the and the money and all that to be able to come back. Well, yeah, Dana White did go on record and say that he wanted to fight soon during the pandemic, and Dana White's like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not missing the gate on the Conor McGregor fight because there's no fans in the stadium. So, you know, he wanted to fight Tony Ferguson. He might just be frustrated that he's not getting what he wants because uh, he said he wants to fight three times this year. Now that's definitely out the window because of the COVID pandemic canceling all the events. Exactly. I mean, he had that kind of cancel all the events, but, you know, lo and behold, I think, honestly – I was at first unsure of how the UFC would do without fans in the stands and with, without a crowd, but I've started to get used to and become like a little more like used to no fans in the stands for the UFC with the way they've been able to do things in Florida, in Vegas, and inevitably in Fight Island. We'll get to that in a second, but how have you felt about watching UFC fights without anybody around? Just for a little while now with the Ultimate Fighter and with the Contender Series, where there's no, no real fans. Contender Series will have family and friends there. I'm kind of used to it, but honestly, I'll be honest, I like it. I like it more. The fights are better because the, uh, the, uh, the fighters can hear their corner and hear their instructions and make adjustments. The fights themselves are more dynamic, which I do enjoy a lot. But let's be honest here, I can't, I can't lie that I wish there was fans at the Gaethje and Ferguson fight because that would have been amazing. Oh, it would have been absolutely amazing. But, you know, again, beggars can't be choosers. And we know, like, I think all around, I think they've absolutely nailed it. And, you know, speaking of corner guys, last weekend may have been, like, the one instance where we've heard, like, a lot of criticism about a corner guy not letting your boy, names escape me right now, but not letting, uh, trying to tell him to finish the fight whenever he's clearly outclassed, outmatched, and he doesn't have it. Yeah, Max Rothkopf, you're talking about him and uh, Drysdale on, on his corner. Max said yeah. nine times, I don't I don't want to fight anymore. Um, so the double requirement is to make sure his fighter can A, be safe, which is the most important thing, and B, um, he's doing what he thinks is best for his fighter. So I don't think there was any problem with what Drysdale did. Um, I, I was talking about this with a friend earlier today. He didn't go out and fight in the third round after he said he quit. Uh, his corner eventually gave in and said, hey, yeah, we're, we're going to call a fight or the, the commission did, but he didn't force him to get out there and fight. So they didn't make him do that. And at the same time, Max has to know he is in over his head, off the cover. He's a great fighter. I've talked to him a couple times. Um, 
And he was really super prepared for this fight. Austin trains with Justin Gaethje and, and the guys in Team Elevation in Colorado. So he's a really good fighter. People, people sleep on Austin. So the, the idea for him to quit on such a short notice fight, I don't hold that against him. Dana White's not holding that against him. He deserves to be in the UFC. The kid's a great fighter. We saw that in the first round. So uh, I'm excited to see a proper debut for Max Rothkopf. I'm kind of excited about it as well. And, you know, you got to wonder, is that is the corner going to be fired next next go round and just find a whole new cor- group of corners because that that just absolutely was a bad look. It was a very bad look. You're right. Um, I don't think I don't think Max will fire uh, Drysdale. Drysdale's in the grappling phenomenon. He made Max who he is in the grappling department partially. Um, I know two are very very close, and from what it sounds like in medium stuff, they 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 talk about it. They move past it, and they're ready for the next one. Talk right now with Blaine Henry, host of the Fight Library podcast. He's on the game hotline. And looking ahead, obviously, everybody around here is talking about the trilogy fight. Probably one of the biggest fights in recent memory. They're going to see that trilogy finally wrap up in the last round, potentially for Daniel Cormier. He mentioned with Errol Hawani a few weeks ago that he was going to hang it up. You know, when you look at Daniel Cormier, this final match against Stipe Miocic, how do you see that one going way too early prediction? Daniel Cormier says he's going to wrestle. It's supposed to be in the smaller cage, which favors Daniel Cormier. Um, he said for some time he wanted to retire at 40. Now he's well past 40. And the issue came up that he lost to Stipe the first time, and he beat Stipe the second time. So now they have that unfinished business of who's the better heavyweight, who's the best heavyweight of all time. And that's what he feels like he has to go out there and settle. And you know what? More power to DC. He's going to get paid more. He's going to have his ESPN or his, uh, yeah, his ESPN gig afterwards, but... You know, it's going to be nice to see him fight, win or lose one more time. Stipe is a great opponent. He's the greatest heavyweight of all time for sure right now. So it's going to be fun to see those two go at it for a third time. And we talk about the no fans in the stands, and Daniel Cormier has been part of the commentary. I know, I believe the first UFC fight, like the UFC card they had, he, his commentary was actually helping their corner, kind of tell, uh, helping the fighters realize, hey, this isn't working. Time to change this perspective. Like I think DC has a great future as a play-by-play guy. Oh, yeah, he's, he's, he's the best that ESPN has, if you ask me. Not just because he's a Louisiana guy, but because, you know, he's uh, he's actually very knowledgeable. You know, his striking knowledge isn't where it should be, but that's what Dominic Cruz is for, and they pair those two up often. So, you know, DC, he's great. He's a good color analyst. He's fun to listen to. He's, he's, got, he's funny. You know, he, he's a little fun to listen to. And Blaine, you know, obviously, they're going to be getting ready for Fight Island. Did you get an invite over there like I did? <laughs> no, I didn't get the invite. No, I heard a lot of people got it. It's kind of like, what? I mean, this is a little short notice for me to buy a plane ticket to Abu Dhabi. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited to, to watch a fight on Fight Island. They've been here before. It's not really on the beach or anything, which is disappointing, but um, it's a great car, so I'm really excited for that. Like, I just couldn't help but to laugh. I wound up getting an email like a few weeks ago, and it was like, Oh, hey, you know, if you want to sign up to get media credentials for Fight Island, you know, just hit us up by this time. Like, wait, what? I, I don't even get, like, any, like, eat. I, I completely forgot I had signed up for, like, the UFC press part of the website. And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I didn't get no emails or anything about, like, signing up for getting credentials for UFC Houston or anything that you've done in the South. Like, why am I getting one for Abu Dhabi? They need people to come to the thing. It's- <laughs> Uh, it's a last-minute thing, and need people to get there. It's, it's actually pretty funny. I had a bunch of people on my Twitter who were like, yeah, I, I guess I'm going to Abu Dhabi now. <laughs> it's funny. 
I just find it I just find it amazing the fact that that was actually a thing that happened. But Blaine, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Hopefully, once we get closer to that Cormier fight against Miocic, that trilogy has me all kinds of hyped up, and the and the future of UFC is looking bright. I'm excited. One more fight to look out for tonight. Uh, Baton Rouge. Uh, I'm sorry. I've been a strong native. Brandon Allen fights tonight. Uh, that's another guy. He's really good. I want to keep an eye on him. i got to give him a shout-out. He's a Louisiana guy. Oh, yeah. And he's he's pretty sizable favorite right now, according to Bovada, minus 315. He's, he's a hot prospect. And uh, UFC got something special with him. Once again, Blaine, thank you so much, brother. All right, my man. Take it easy, Clint. All right, that was our guy, Blaine Henry, Fight Library Podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at BlaineHenryTFL. When we come back, we're going to wrap up the show in a nice little bow, and then we're going to kind of send you off into the weekend with some Astros baseball this weekend with Jose Altuve's debut in the Astros jersey in just a little bit. Back after this on Acadiana Sports Station, 103.7 The Game and 103.7thegame.com. Just before we close up shop here on 1037 The Game, the famous CD is looking to fire off one more take before dropping the mic. Is it going to be a hot one, or is it going to be one he'd like to take back six months down the road? Let's listen in and find out. The spread of the coronavirus is a serious matter. It really is a serious matter when we hear Coach O say it every single time, and without a doubt, it really is. A serious matter, not just here, but across the country. And, you know, I just saw this pop up. I actually looked it up because I know in Florida alone, COVID-19 cases are, wait for it. It's over 9,000. What, 9,000? There's no way that can be right. And that is just crazy. And I just have to say this every single time. And I see, I see what goes on. In Louisiana, I saw this pop up, the Louisiana kind of lines and everything, way we've seen the reopening dashboard and how things have spiked up significantly here in Lafayette Parish alone. There needs to be a little bit of changes. It's concerning. It's very concerning. And Josh Gilley kind of going in the right direction saying, hey, masks need to be utilized. Masks are required. That's the way it should be, to be honest with you. That's the way it should be. But this is for the people that honestly are constantly saying, you know, I don't want to wear a mask. I don't want to wear a mask. Guess what? You you need to wear a mask in this time frame. If you want football in the fall, you got to wear a mask. And former Jim Rome producer Kyle Brandt said it better than I could ever say it. I'm done wearing masks guy is currently selling the same BS that I'm done using protection guy was selling back in college. Uh, I'm kind of tired of it. It's not comfortable. I know how to properly distance myself. No, he doesn't. And now he has a kid and you, sir, ma'am, are infecting our kids. So take your pick, professors. Put something on your face so you keep your disgusting droplets out of mine. That is so well said from Kyle Brandt, KB, if you need him. Dude absolutely crushes it on the NFL Network now, and it's great. But again, Coach O said it. The spread of the coronavirus is a serious matter. 
the spread of the coronavirus is a serious matter. That's all you need to hear. When you hear Coach O say it, you need to listen. You need to listen to what the cat says. Because guess what? If he, if you don't, there's very well a chance you could be without a football season. Nobody wants that. We don't want that. We want all sports to be back. And if we don't take this thing seriously, COVID-19 seriously, we could be very well be without a football season. I'm not a person who wants to fear monger, but honestly, I think at this point that's what we got to do because right now, new cases in Florida alone. It's over 9,000! That's where we're at. It's over 9,000 right now in terms of COVID-19 cases. And honestly, thankfully, we haven't gotten to this point yet. Stop! You violated the law. Pay the court a fine or serve your sentence. Your stolen goods are now forfeit. Thankfully, we haven't gotten to the point where we got guys from Elder Scrolls telling us we violated the law. So right here, right now, I say put a damn mask on. That's the bottom line because I said so. The famous CD said so. Appreciate you listening in. If you have a problem with it, I don't really give a damn because it's time to put the mask on and kind of say, hey, you know, we want to see football. We want to see all this stuff happen. Because honestly, if we don't have football, especially in the college ranks, who boy, I don't want to know what that future looks like for college sports in general. So put the damn mask on and deal with it. I'm tired of seeing people out there saying, I can't breathe with the mask on, blah, 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 blah. Here's the thing. I've got a beard and I've got glasses. Anytime I breathe with a mask on, that damn thing is going to fog up. I don't care about that. I care about the fact that I'm protecting myself and I'm protecting others, and I'm protecting my family. Because here's the thing. I've got asthma. I've got a pre-existing condition. Full disclosure. But at the end of the day, I know that what I'm doing is the right thing for me. I know that's the way I want this thing to go. And if you don't like it, I don't care. You can turn this, you can change the channel, not listen to me talk ever again. But if you don't wear a damn mask, we're going to have problems. We're going to have problems. I am tired of the whole thing. Of people complaining about the fact that the mask doesn't do anything. Where did you read that from? Did you read it from Facebook? Did you get this thing from a reliable source? I don't think so. So if you come out with me with the, you shouldn't wear a mask take, get the hell out of here. Just get the hell out of here and don't come back. That's all I got to say on that end. But have a great rest of your Saturday, everybody. We got Astros baseball, a classic game with Jose Altuve coming up in just a few minutes. And then on Sunday, we got another Astros classic involving Jose Altuve. So it's a bit of a Tuve weekend, a Tuve for one, if you will. That kind of worked. We'll be back with you next Saturday, 10 a.m. to noon, right here on 1037 The Game, 1037thegame.com. Peace! Also wear a damn mask. Oh yeah, kick it!